There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of The Front Free. My name is Adam Boltwood. Joining me as always is the stat man himself, Dave O'Brien. Hello, Adam. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for asking. Uh, and joining us this week is Kristen Hennage once again. Kristen, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. You are stepping in for the one and only Lawrence McKenna, mm. who at this moment may or may not be flying back from Amsterdam on a slightly delayed flight. We sort of delayed the recording till Wednesday evening. because Lads on tour, lads on tour. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he hasn't quite made the recording, so he, he could join us at any point, to be honest. But... Um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I feel like getting in a dig about Lawrence, you know. He made a couple of accusations about me in Barcelona, you know. I only missed his flight because he was stuck in a cafe. That's, you know, that's what I heard as well, actually. You know, I don't want to, you know, spread rumours, but let's just say that's a fact. Um, so, Kristen, thank you very much for joining us this week, stepping in the super sub. I feel like I jinxed it last week saying Lawrence, I said last week he was going to make every single episode, but... Obviously, I did, I did jinx it anyway. Uh, but welcome to episode 12. Thank you once again for listening to The Front Free, whether it be via iTunes or SoundCloud or elsewhere, and for sending in all your lovely comments and questions. Uh, the comment of the week this week has to go to Jacob Ennick, who said on SoundCloud, Why the fuck can't I download this? I always listen to this when I'm at my dad's and I get bored as shit. Fuck you, <laughs> you selfish pricks. So thank you, Jacob, <laughs> for your kind words. Uh, I think close second for comment of the week was from Christine on SoundCloud who said this gives me a boner followed by <laughs> no homo which was a, a nice interesting comment for us there on SoundCloud but if you do want to let us know what you think of the podcast whether it leaves you sexually aroused or not leave your thoughts suggestions or questions on Twitter at the front free with the number free and not the word so anyway let's get on with the news it's another transfer bonanza basically uh, so we'll talk about a little bit of the transfer news this week before we discuss the done deals the big story right now, at this very moment, arguably, as we're recording, is uh, Raheem Sterling once again. So the stories are emerging earlier this week that the player has once again reiterated his desire to leave the club. Today it comes out he didn't want to go on the club's preseason tour to the Far East in Australia, doesn't want to get on the plane. He didn't report for training today, apparently, citing <laughs> illness. Uh, and The Guardian are reporting this evening that Raheem Sterling has told Brendan Rodgers he no longer wants to play for him, and that's why he wants to leave the club. Obviously, the paper or the journalists have been briefed by Sterling's camp. But, Kristen, I'll come to you first as the guest. I mean, are you bored by this whole transfer saga yet? 
To be fair, a tour to the Far East got them three Leicester players a transfer pretty quick. <laughs> Maybe Sterling should go. He should follow that tactic. That probably would work better for him than the way he's behaving at the moment. But uh, yeah, what, what do you make of the way he's, he's going about this, Kristen? I think it's par for the course. And I think this is often where you can uh, discover the hypocrisy of football fans. Because if it was a player of Raheem Sterling sort of trying to join Liverpool, I'm sure Liverpool fans would be incredibly mm. eager for him to push that through. On the, the contrast of that, they obviously don't want him to but I think equally there's part of Liverpool fans that have a self-confidence about their football club that actually they believe he isn't bigger than the football club and I admire that because I think it's true no player is, is grander than the institution they represent and that's certainly the case in Sterling I think he is a talent without question but my concern for him if I was his agent or his representation would be you're really destabilizing your position and you're not attracting suitors by doing this um the interviews with the BBC that weren't sanctioned, talking about money, all that kind of stuff. Yes, that may force through a move in the short term, but I would be amazed if it hasn't put potential uh, clubs off him in the long run because he's now being viewed as a difficult asset to manage. And he is essentially uh, you know, representing the worst aspects of a young player that wants to move in terms of his willingness to speak to the public and speak very candidly about mm. things that really should be kept behind closed doors. It's interesting you say that because uh, Jamie Carrick came out today and he sort of said, you know, Raheem Sterling, is uh, his reputation is taking a big hit from his current you know, situation, which is obvious. But like you say, I mean, Dave, do you agree with Kristen there saying, you know, it could you know, put off potential suitors? I, I feel like Man City are going to get him no matter what now. I feel like it hasn't really put... I personally think it's not going to put them off. I think City are just going to going to splash the cash and get him. But, I mean, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I think it's exactly you know, what Christian said was brilliant. It's, it makes complete sense. I think what clubs do these days as well, you know, the scouts, they always look at what the players actually like and these things that, that he's been doing, you know, the whole incident with the, ha- the hickey gas and all that rubbish and now the transfer requests and all this. We forget that he had such a wonderful season for a young, for an English young player. You know, only 31 uh, players in the Premier League played more minutes than him. So he played a lot of minutes. He was pivotal for Liverpool in their performances this season. And it's an absolute shame that he's acting like this. He's acting like a child. He is acting his age. He's only 20 years old, but he's acting like a teenager. He's acting like an unaged, educated teenager. I don't think we'd see that if he was coming out the likes of the Barca Youth Academy or you know something like that, where they're actually taught they're taught as they go through the academy how to be proper people. You know, like at Southampton, you go through the Southampton Academy, you're taught how to be a person. I think Ryan Sterling really missed that, and it's showing now. And if I were Man City, I would you know I'd wait I'd wait with a pull out now. I'd, I would buy him this summer and I'd buy him next summer. You know, you're going to get him for a lower price. He's going to be 21. It's just it, he's putting himself in a terrible, terrible position. Do you not think, obviously you're saying from Man City's point of view, Liverpool is smarter to wait till next season, but what do you actually see happening this summer? Do you not think it's inevitable that he's yeah, going to leave I, the Yeah, I, I think he will go. He's got to go now. I mean, he's, he's thrown all the toys out of his pram. He's got none left. So he's going to get bored. He's not going to go on this tour. It's pretty much it's time for him to go, but it's the fee that Liverpool are going to get. Liverpool gets £50 million for Ryan Sterling. They've had an absolute blinder in the window. You think of their signings for Mina. You know, Nathaniel Klein, James Milner, free transfer. They have done brilliantly if they managed to get rid of Ryan Sterling without a matter of cash. Uh, so the Daily Star reporting today that Pedro is seen as the uh, potential replacement for Sterling by Liverpool. You know, a long-term target for Arsenal as well. £27 million is the sort of price that's being talked about. Pedro has never been a really a first-team regular at Barcelona in the last few years. Obviously a talented player, but 
especially last season, struggled to break into that first team. What was Suarez, Neymar, and, and Messi there? That front three, front three Claxon, name of the podcast. Um, Kristen, what do you make of Pedro? Do you reckon he'd be a good signing for for Liverpool as a potential replacement for Sterling? The, th- the concern I have with Pedro is the same reason he doesn't make it into Barcelona's starting eleven. Is I just don't think he's big enough of a, a star. I think he does very well in terms of being selfless and performing for a team, but I'm not sure if he raises the level. I think he works well with incredibly talented players already, and there's no shame in that, and I'm sure he could carve out a very established career somewhere else. My issue with Liverpool and what they need at the moment, and I think that's what we have to look at as well, is I think they need difference makers. And I don't see Pedro being that difference maker. I think he's done incredibly well at Barcelona. He's he's clearly got a lot of trophies and a lot of good experience. But again, is is he the player to to truly make a difference in a game? I'm not sure if that's him. And I think for the fee they would ask of him, it's it's far too risky. Speaking of difference makers, Dave Christian Benteke keeps being on to a move to Liverpool. You know, the reports are alternating between Liverpool will not pay the £32 million buyout clause. Other papers saying he's demanding to leave and he's on his way. I mean, is he the sort of player that you think could be a difference maker, as Kristen says? I'd say, yeah, definitely could be the difference maker, but I don't think he suits Brendan Rodgers, and I think that's the big problem. He's obviously, you know, he's a target man. He's, he's actually a lot better with his feet than people make out. Um, he's was the third top scorer after January the 1st. So, you know, he's a very, very decent player. He, he When you whip the ball into the box for him, he'll try and make it. He'll, you know, that, that's the type of player he is. He's a goal scorer in the penalty area. He's a good target. But for Liverpool, I think they, they, they suit smaller strikers. They suit Luis Suarez. They suit Aguero. They potentially suit Berahimo, to be honest, more than they suit Christian Benteke. But, you know, for £32 million, that's a pretty good deal for the Premier League. You know, he scored in the Premier League. He's still only 20, 24, I think he is. So, you know, Brentman could move him on, you know, sort of like move his game on. But I just think it's the wrong move for Christian Benteke. I think he should sign for Man United. Yeah, but I think he should sign for Tottenham, but there you go. <laughs> um, the Independent are saying that Lacazette is the alternative to Benteke. What of the price tag that's uh, it's been priced on him by Aston Villa? I mean, Christian, what do you make of Lacazette? We've been talking about him for the last few weeks. He's been linked with Arsenal. He's been linked with Spurs previously. Do you reckon he would be a good signing for a Premier League team? I think he would. I think the problem he has, though, is he, he may, a bit like Christian Benteke, have been priced out of a move. If you mm. go back maybe 12, 15 months, clubs were trying to test Leon's hand at about 10, 15 million. And I think that would have been a great price for him. But, I mean, you look at Benteke as, as another example, someone who's being commanded for £32.5 million, which I don't think he's worth. Lacazette is much closer to that fee or, or that price range, I think, given what he's done. But the concern is, is that, for me, I think Ligon is seen as a little bit of a lesser league at the minute. And then, and in some degrees, we're seeing that talent exodus come out, the likes of Frank Tabernou coming to Swansea and then such like. And we're seeing across the board some of the lesser players go for little fees while those who are in Lacazette's price range and really dominating that league are going for much higher fees and equally I think Leon are very determined to get a specific fee out of him it's not a case as we see with Marseille who had to sell Dimitri Payet to balance the books so they took a lesser fee for a player who I think could arguably have gone for double what he has actually gone for West Ham I think it was just over 10.5 million give or take a 100,000 here or there and that's my concern for Lacazette is I'm just not sure if he'll find that suitor who's willing to take that risk but if you're making me choose between Pedro and Lacazette, I think it has to be Lacazette. 
Interesting, interesting stuff. So um, let's move on to Manchester United, Dave. You know, obviously you're you're the resident expert, being the Man United fan. <laughs> you were you were practicing how to pronounce his name before the podcast, so I'll let you introduce him. But uh, who's this player that Manchester United are apparently signed up now? The Italian fullback. So Mattia Daramian, as we pronounce it Whoa. the Italian way, he's a, he's a top. You know, he's he's a good good player. He's been around for Syria for about the last three seasons. He's sort of coming on the scene. He's really he's playing. He's played for, he played for Torino last season in in three five two. He played more on the left than on the right. Actually, he played nineteen times on the the left hand side and only thirteen on the right, and then one at centre back. But in terms of what he'll bring Man United, he'll bring them you know far better defensive option than Antonio Valencia has given us this season. Valencia, you know, he's not the best defensively, positionally, he's caught out a lot. He can't hold an offside um, trap line, you know, he's pretty terrible at that. Uh, Deramian sort of, he'll come in and he's very, very good. He gets tight to his opponent, he sticks to him, he doesn't let him pass. He's he's good at going forward on the counter-attack. He's a very, very quick player, similar to Valencia, but I think he'll give us a lot more than what Valencia has offered this season. Valencia, a few seasons ago, was brilliant at taking a man on. He's lost that confidence and I think Deramian's coming in, coming in now for... A pretty decent fee, you know, 12, I think it's 12 million pounds. Italian international, 25, coming to his peak of his career. I think he's going to be a really good signing. Sticking on Manchester United, uh, the other big news in the last hour or so, uh, Sky Sports reporting that a deal has been agreed between United and Fenerbahce for Robin Van Persie. Um, a lot of United fans seem a little bit mystified at this one, seeing as Falcao uh, wasn't snapped up uh, by the club. It leaves Rooney and uh, James Wilson, perhaps, as the only two recognised strikers at Manchester United. Dave, what do you make of this move? you happy to see the back of Van Persie, or are you sad to see him go? I'm sad to see him go, because obviously that, that league title that he won us, the 20th title for Man United, absolutely, you know, he was brilliant that season, 26 goals. In terms of goal-scoring record since he joined United, no United player scored more goals than him. It's, you know, he's a very, very top, he's a top talent, but we've seen last season inconsistencies come back into his game. It seems like he's sort of gone over his hill of his peak. His peak was probably in that 2012-13 season. When Van Persie is firing, he's probably one of the best strikers in the world. But we've not seen that enough. We didn't see that enough last season. He ended up with 10 league goals. But there were so many games where he was sort of out of the game. He wasn't really contributing much to the attack. He, you know, he's, he's not going to be pressing anymore because obviously he hasn't got the legs. He's not going to be getting into the channels. And that's what I think Van Gaal wants from a striker is a player that drifts, a player that gets involved. So... I think it's a good move. It's good to balance the books as well. Obviously, he's on. I think he's on two hundred and twenty thousand pounds a week, which is absolutely massive um, for any player. Uh, so I think it's it's a good move for Van Persie. I think it's a good move for Man United in terms of moving the squad on and sort of getting away from the Ferguson era. Kristen, uh, sticking on Van Persie for a second there. So Dave mentioned there his legacy, uh, Van Persie's legacy at Manchester United. We are talking about that title that many people say that Van Persie almost won single-handedly uh, in Ferguson's final uh, season at United. I know hindsight's obviously a beautiful thing, but do you think Van Persie made a mistake in leaving Arsenal when he did? Manchester United fans, he, he's never going to be a club legend at Old Trafford. He's definitely not a club legend at Arsenal the way he left. So do you, do you think it was a, a, the wrong move for him to go to the Old Trafford, despite the fact that he won the title there? No, and I think because of what you touched on there, he won the title. And I think for mm. him, that was the biggest concern. I think it it's nice when you can build a bond and a genuine bond with a fan base in the club and I think for a long time he enjoyed that but I think equally it reached the point where for him he thought you know what I'm going to look back in years to come and I'm going to think I could have won a, a Premier League title he he took the the risk that Alan Shearer didn't take that a lot of players didn't take during their careers of trying to make it at Manchester United and for a decent amount of time he managed to do that and he was as <clears throat> as you touched on in, in the intro that he was 
influential for them. The, the Manchester Derby games like that, he came up big for them when they needed him. Um, and I think for him, that will weigh more heavy than what might have been at Arsenal because I think in truth, had he stayed at Arsenal, he essentially would have papered over the cracks at that football club. And as bizarre as it sounds, I almost think Arsenal fans owe him a debt of gratitude for leaving because I think him leaving really did pull up the the stone from that football club and, and help you understand what were the real problems and the problems that they've started to fix and eradicate now and help them win those FA Cups. It's interesting. It's interesting. And my uh, my Arsenal supporting friend Josh delighted in telling me uh, yesterday that since Van Persie's gone to United, Giroud has scored fifty eight goals and won three trophies. Uh, Van Persie has won fifty. Uh, he's won two trophies and scored fifty seven goals. Uh, he, he forgot to mention that one of those trophies for Giroud was the Community Shield. But I mean, you know, he's <laughs> that's a bit. I mean, it, that's, that's Alistair Campbell levels of spin. That yeah. one, to be fair. <laughs> it's, it's two FA Cups over a Premier League. I think uh, we know which is the more important. It's interesting you say that about Van Persie. You know, the title might have been more important to him. And he might have looked back and regretted that. And obviously, as I say, hindsight is a beautiful thing. And as you say, history changed when Van Persie left the club. It's sort of, you could see there was a change of attitude in Arsene Wenger's and the club's philosophy in the transfer market. They like say bringing in Ozil, Sanchez, all these sort of world-class players. But for you personally, for me personally, I would rather stay at a club and win nothing and be endeared to the fans and be a hero than go somewhere else for a couple of years and win one league title. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I would rather... Um, you know, I'll say Spurs. I would rather stay with Spurs and won nothing for three years, but been a bit of a hero than go to you know Chelsea and win one league title. I don't. I feel like he would eventually. He'll look back and regret potentially even the club. But like you say, perhaps Arsenal fans owe him a, a debt of gratitude there. Um, the other transfer news: Casillas. Ike Casillas is apparently on his way to Porto, which is uh, a bit of a dumb deal. It's been a, a while coming. His form has sort of been gradually dipping for three or four years now, ever since uh, Mourinho was the manager of the club. Uh, Dave, what do you reckon to this one? Casillas going to Porto. Is it a good move for him and a good move for Madrid at the end of the day? It's interesting. Yeah, no, I think it's a good move for him. You know, Porto have got this Spanish influence at the moment. Their manager obviously used to, I think he was managing the under-21 side, Spanish under-21 side, when they had the likes of Juan Mata and David Silva in it, I think. Um, but, you know, they've signed Mbula, who I thought had gone Prince Milan, but eventually ended up at Porto. Brilliant signing. And if they've got Casillas as well, you know, they've done very, very well in the window. We always think Porto is a selling club, but they seem to have this window sort of become the buying club in a way. And I think, you know, Casillas going to Portugal, Porto, you know, you're thinking of the um, three-horse race with Benfica, Porto and Sporting Lisbon potentially next season. with Obviously, um, Jesus moving from the big... Red club to the sporting movement, green club. But it'll be interesting. I think it's a good move for him. You know, it's a change of scenery. He's getting away from Madrid, but he's still close to Madrid. Obviously, he could get to Madrid with by car or whatever, by train. So I think it'll be good all right for the rest of his career. He's already a Real Madrid and Spanish legend. So, you know, it's sort of like his retirement in a way yeah. over in lovely Porto. It's interesting. He's probably leaving at just about the right time to ensure his legacy at Madrid, even though, as I say, the past couple of years have been a little bit disappointing like you say he'll always be a legend at the club um, another interesting one this week was Johan Kabaya to Palace BBC are reporting that he's going to have a medical before the end of the week following a £10 million bid being accepted by PSG it, it, this looks like an inter- interesting one on the surface Kristen I mean what do you make of this deal Kabaya obviously went to PSG a, a couple of years ago having left Newcastle coming back to the Premier League for a team who you know a mid-table Premier League team I mean do you, do you think this is a good move for him? No, it isn't. And I think 
in theory, he should be attracting uh, clubs in the Europa League or in European competition. And that's not yeah. a slight on Crystal yeah. Palace. I do, I do like Crystal Palace as a club. I think they're doing but amazingly well to pull this off. Um, I think the, the problem that Kabai had is that when he was at Newcastle, he was very much central to everything. The play ran through him um, mm. and he really just dictated the tempo whenever he played for that team. And I think that's the issue is that when he moved to PSG, he was going to get less of the ball. And it's harder to be as influential when you're getting less of the ball. And now he's having to deal with the fact that he hasn't played as much football and the fact that he's closer to 30 than 25. So for a lot of clubs, the idea of spending, I think it's upwards of 10 million pounds of a breach, something like 13 or something. Um, But regardless, anything over 10 million on a 29-year-old, you've got to be something special. And I think that's the problem for Kabari. Would, would you not say it's a good move for, okay, Palace, they're spending a fair whack on, as you say, a, a player approaching 30. It's maybe not the smartest move for them. But for him, as you're saying, he will be more influential at Palace. He's going to be that big fish in a small pond. The Euros are next year. He's going to be very in- influential in that team. He's going to be very integral to how they play. Does that not bode well for him to try and break into that France team ahead of the, uh, ahead of the Euros next year? In the short term, definitely. Um, yeah. I think it helps him establish that. The, con- the concern is just that you have to remember contextually, when he arrived at Newcastle, he just won the French League with Lille um, and he was central to that team. That's the problem is that in some ways, Newcastle did a lot to build his reputation, but I think as well, it also did a lot to foster misgivings and misnomers about him as a player in terms of the fact that he could dominate games. The truth was he dominated games because he was their, their playmaker and their central kind of midfield outlet. I'm not sure how many other teams or teams at the top would be willing to do that. I know that was part of the reason that his potential move to Arsenal broke down was that they saw him as potentially a backup option in terms of the squad. And <clears throat> understandably, at that point, he was highly thought of and, and PSG were there, so he didn't want to take that route. I think with hindsight, as you say, as beautiful as it is, I think Arsenal were fairly accurate in their assessment and that truth... I think he, I think he's better than Mikel Arteta, but I'm not sure if he starts in that midfield. Equally, though, I'm surprised someone like Tottenham isn't interested in him because even though he is 29, he's never been someone who rampages around with pace, pace and athleticism. For me, his game is in his feet, um, and so for that reason, as he gets older, it's not going to diminish in that sense. If anything, he could even become more refined in the mould of Pirlo. Mm. I mean, he's an interesting move because, like I say, is a it is a mid-table Premier League team, as I mentioned. I mean, you mentioned Paye earlier, Dimitri Paye, to West Ham. Uh, you know, you're looking at people like Etienne Capou from from Tottenham going to Watford mm-hmm. um, earlier this week. One of the players of the the season in Ligue 1 in 2012-13. You know, Jordan Shakiri to Stoke. There's been a, a fear greed with Inter Milan. I mean, Dave, what do you make of this? These sort of you'd argue mid-table, slightly lower quality teams attracting this higher calibre of player. I mean, does it improve the overall quality of the Premier League? Is it good for the league? They're obviously splashing their, you know, the ever-increasing TV money. I mean, do you think it in- improves the quality of the Premier League overall? Definitely, yeah. It's, it's interesting that the TV money sort of having the impact now. You know, the likes of Shakiri coming over. He just signed for Inter Milan, what, was it in January? Now he's coming over to Stoke. He's going to be fantastic in the Premier League. I can't wait to watch Stoke now. Imagine us saying that five years ago or something. I want to go and watch Stoke this season in the Premier League. But he can really set it alight. Capoue is a strange one to Watford. Again, a club record. But, you know, what have we seen from Capoue since he's come to the Premier League? Not a lot. It's a crazy amount of money to be thrown at someone that's sort of 
potentially flopped in the Premier League. I don't like to use the word flop, but Kapoor hasn't got into the Tottenham side, hasn't asserted himself. Going back to the Kabai um, move, move from Newcastle to PSG, he should have thought when he looked at their midfield, they've got Verratti, Thiago Motta and Javier Pastore. Am I going to get into that side? No. OK, let's move to another club. Obviously, we mentioned Arsenal before. Um, who's not gone and, you know, didn't get to. But imagine if he went to Liverpool, you know, another club that could have, you know, a biting out for a defensive midfielder in that mould of just dictating the play. Obviously, Gerard was moved back there, but he could have been a perfect move. It's just really strange how the Premier League is evolving and the money, we are seeing the money that's coming down to these, to the Crystal Palaces, to the Stokes of the world. I just, what, what upsets me is, where's Newcastle? I want to see Newcastle back at the top. Obviously, the glory days and oh, the Keegan yeah. and Bobby Robson. Where, where's that? Kristen, where's, when's it going to come back? It doesn't look like coming back anytime soon. I mean, I give them credit. They've, they've lodged a bid for Vinaldum that seems quite hefty and apparently similar for Mitrovic. But to throw it back, say, I was just going to say, is it not concerning? I mean, maybe use your own clubs as a, as a guidepost here, but is it not concerning that Stoke is still pursuing with a player that clearly doesn't want to go there? Because I've read numerous reports that have said Shakiri does not really want to go to Stoke. He's not that interested in it. He's really disappointed that Inter want to sell him. It just yeah, seems well, weird to me. It is, it is very weird. Like I did mention, it was, it, you know, he moved in January. Then you'd already thrown him out. It seems like a very strange thing. Obviously, Inter Milan need wingers. That was one thing that Mancini came in and said, buy me two wingers. And they bought one on the right and then they want to sell him. It doesn't make much sense. But, but I think Shakiri does need to take a step back in his career. He, he, was a, he, took, he took the decision to go to Bayern Munich for me at the wrong time when they had Ribery and Iron Robin, two of the best wingers in world football. You're not going to get in the first team then. This was on the back of a... I think it was an under-21 European Championships like we've just had this summer. And he was absolutely fantastic at that tournament. He was probably the best player in the tournament in my eyes. Obviously, we've had players like uh, Drenthe that was went to Real Madrid after the tournament. Strange decision. He should have gone to a, a smaller um, European side, you'd say. And maybe Stoke right now is the correct fit for him. You know, they're playing good football at the moment. They're using their whip. They're attacking teams these days. You know, I, I think that he's, he shouldn't sniff at it in a way. You know, it's strange that he's going to go to Stoke. But take that challenge and turn, you know, and then turn his career around in a way. Interesting stuff. Um, let's move on to a little bit of talk about done deals then. So the biggest deal of the week, undoubtedly, was Arda Turan to Barcelona, um, leaving from Atletico Madrid. He can't actually play until January because of the, <laughs> the transfer that Barcelona have. They can't register new players. Dave, what do you make of this deal? Leaving from, you know, arguably a title rival in Atletico Madrid. Um, do you think it's a good signing for Barcelona, reinforcing that midfield? I think it's just a signing so that other teams can't buy him. It's really strange. Obviously, they've, they've got this whole deal where it's based on the presidential election. If certain um, presidents, uh, presidents get elected, they can either take the Tehran move or they can give Tehran back to Atleti and pay them a 10% fee. Very, very strange altogether. But for me, it doesn't fit their system. Last season, they played this 4-3-3 um, 4-4-2 in defence hybrid with Messi just floating. It was absolutely perfect. Why, why are you buying a player like Arda Taran? Arda Taran played on the left or the right in a, in a 4-4-2. Very, very compact 4-4-2. He's a very tenacious player. He's very aggressive. I sort of see him as quite an, like an aggressive version of Park um, Sung in a way. Doesn't really, obviously he's technically very, very gifted to get out of a tight situation. But if you look at his sort of chance created stats over the last few years, he's no real round near the top of Europe. So he's a different player. He's a very much an athletic player. Put heart and his soul into the shirt. But it, I just, it seems so weird to move to Barcelona. Chelsea would have worked. Man United would have worked. But Barcelona, just off. I mean, Christian, do you agree I saw an that? interesting article. I was going to say, I saw an interesting article on this. A Barcelona fan had written saying that he brings kind of 
this rebellious streak in terms of he hasn't been honed at La Masia, that he's not maybe as, as refined in certain ways as the other Barcelona midfielders like Rafinha and, and Sergi Samper and Iniesta, and that he does possess a lot of the key attributes that players like Xavi have in terms of that close control and the ability to play in small pockets. But there are other mm. aspects that the current crop don't have, kind of more intangible aspects that maybe you don't see um, every day on the, the stat sheets and the breakdowns and what have you. And I think it's it's certainly a bold move for him to take that six-month hiatus. I thought it was funny that Galatasaray have already said they'll take him on loan yeah, if, uh, if, if, they, <laughs> if Barcelona would be so willing. Um, but equally, I can see why he's done this. I mean, he said himself, you know, I'm not here for six months. I'm here for five years. So six months missing is not a huge thing. And equally, he adores Barcelona. And I know we hear that a lot. But I watched a, a video just today, in fact, of him as a 15-year-old, as a ball boy, when Galatasaray played Barcelona. Uh, I think he was in the Champions League. I'm not sure on that last bit. But he was desperate to get any kind of memorabilia he could. And he got Christian Val's gloves, the, the old Fulham defender as well, Philippe Christian Val. <laughs> and he still got them in his house. So he does clearly adore this club. And I think... In that sense, you can't really lament him too much for choosing to to play for a football club that clearly is close to his heart, and he's not just saying it for the the chance to bump up his his salary every month. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Maybe what we're seeing is that is a changing face of Barcelona. I did mention the style that they played last season. Maybe Enrique is moving to more of a four four two shape. That's where Terran would fit in for me. But then again, that means you lose one of your central midfielders. You lose the likes of Rakitic, Busquets, or Iniesta. You lose one of those to fit in. You've obviously got to fit in Neymar, Rooney, no, Neymar, Rooney, Neymar, Messi, and uh, Suarez. But then it's just I don't know where to put him in. That's my problem. Are they going to put him at left back or right back? Maybe I don't know. Interesting. It'd be interesting to see how it works out. We won't know until uh, January. But um, Spurs had some big news today. I'm sure you're all very as excited as me. Um, Toby Alderweireld has been signed from Atletico Madrid. Um, there's a little bit of a legal dispute going on with Southampton, who thought they sort of had the uh, you know first option to buy the player for around £8 million. Nothing to do with Spurs, of course. You know We've done nothing wrong. <laughs> but Pochettino apparently sees Alderweireld as the uh, the perfect centre-back partner for Jan Vertonghen. Obviously good as a Spurs fan to see Spurs strengthening in defence. Uh, one of the weaknesses last year, I think only four Premier League teams conceded more goals than Spurs last season. I didn't actually watch many Southampton games last season, so I'm, I need Dave or Chris, I need you guys to tell me what you make of Alderweireld, whether I should be over the moon or whether, you know, he's just a decent signing. I'll defer to Dave first. I'll let him... Go on, Dave, bring the stats. Give me something. Yeah, quite. I do like him as a player, obviously. He, didn't, he was in and out of the Southampton team. He clocked up around 2,000 minutes, which is quite a lot. It's not, you know, your 3,000 is your first team starter every week. He was, I think he was injured at the start of it. I do like him as a defender. He's quite a classy defender. Is he going to be? I think you're obviously going to play playing Vertonghen starting, would you say? So Vertonghen is you sort of left centre half, and then Alderweireld come into the right centre half. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure whether that does work as a partnership. Is he aggressive enough? Probably, but I, you know, I think there's question marks with Spurs' defence, mm. and I don't oh, yeah. know if oh, yeah. he's as much as a leader as the Spurs' defence need. Yeah, I mean, Kristen, have you seen much of Alderweireld? I mean, what do you make of him? I think. You know, centre back has been a weakness for us for a, for a while. I've spoken about Eunice Kabul a couple of times about how he he needs to get gone. Pochettino, I don't I don't know why he made him captain last season, but you know he's probably on the way out at, at the moment. We've got uh, Fazio as kind of the backup. Eric Dyer as well, who can play uh, centre back. 
but it looks like these two are going to be the first choice. Alderweireld and Vertonghen, they used to play together at Ajax. I mean, do you reckon it's a, it's a step up for Spurs? The, the curious thing is, I, I feel as if, and you can correct me if you disagree, I feel like Spurs need a leader in the back. That's what I feel like yeah, yeah, when I watch yeah. them. There's no one, yeah. without wishing to bring up Arsenal, there's no one in the mould of Tony Adams who barks and points. No, um, no, no, no. And I'm not sure if Alderweireld is that kind of player. I think certainly, as you touched on there, there's a great uh, link with... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Uh, Jan Vertonghen and the fact that the two of them played it at Ajax together. So there's an immense understanding there already that you can hopefully build on. But I think, really, and we talk about this a lot, you know, I thought it was interesting that Vincent Company say, that, you know, we need two or three quality additions. It seems like in England we don't coach through enough of our problems. It seems like we try and fix everything with buying a new player instead of working with what we've got. And in the case of Spurs, whether saying Alderweireld is the right player, I think what a better question is, is, is can you make him a leader? Um, because I think defensively he seems sound. I didn't see anything that, that frightened me in the same way that maybe with Lovren when he was at Southampton, you thought, you know what, on a different day that goes really wrong and you're ending yeah. up with a red card. I don't see that with Alderweireld. I also think he was very lucky to be with Jose Font, who seems to have just taken to the Premier League effortlessly, um, and I think equally is quite a cultured defender, having been at Benfica and, and had a good pedigree in, in Portugal. So I think, the, as I say, I think the biggest question is, can Pochettino make a leader out of Alderweireld, or possibly Vertonghen with Alderweireld happy to be the, you know, the, the sweeper up behind him, or some kind of, uh, you know, partner for him to work with that's the biggest question for Tottenham I think it's interesting yeah I, I agree with you guys yeah we do need a leader it's um, Jan Vertonghen I think a lot of Spurs fans saw him as a leader but it's become evident in the last past few seasons that he's definitely not quite inconsistent uh, could go from one great game to a terrible game he but, seems um, quite petulant as well Jan Vertonghen yeah 100% 100% so it, it will interest we'll see how they work out together hopefully you know they'll be they'll be a bit more solid than last season. Um, final done deal I want to talk about quickly is uh, Nani to Fenerbahce. You know we're speaking about Van Persie's legacy earlier at Manchester United. Dave, what is uh, what is Nani's legacy at Manchester United? He was there for a long, long time. It's a good legacy. You know he picked up four trophies. Four trophies, I think it was in his time there. Won the Champions League, won the league, and on numerous occasions. I think what we forget with Nani is he was really good on his day. On his day he was unplayable. You know he's good on his left foot had a cracking shot on his right foot, could beat a man. You know, Rio Ferdinand um, had a fantastic post this week on Instagram saying how, you know, if, if he came up against any player in the world, Nani would probably be one of the least players he'd want to have, 1v1, because Nani can just do you either way. 
you look at his um, his assist stats, and that's where he was different to Cristiano Ronaldo. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo was the goal scorer. Nani was more of your creator, you'd say. He did score, obviously, the odd wonder goal now and again, but, you know, he's created more goals than... I'll list, I'll list off some players here. So we've got David Silva, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo mentioned before, uh, Antonio Valencia, he's got more assists than David Beckham, Charles Nzobbia, Jermaine Pennant, the beast that is Emil Heskey. You know, there's a, there's a big list of players that Nani eclipsed. In that list good dropped years. off really quickly, though, did. David Beckham, Charles and Zogby. Like, wow. Oh, it's a steep Perez. drop. It's a steep drop. Robert Seth Perez. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just think with Nani, I, I, did, I, I did like Nani when he was on hot form. You know, I think it was the 2010-11 season when Wayne Rooney was bagging all sorts of goals. Nani was imperious that year. He beat Arsenal three times on his own. But, you know, it'll be, it'll, I'll have fond memories of Nani. I think, obviously... He's different to Cristiano in terms of he potentially didn't put, put enough work in outside training and outside the game. But he was a good lad. And, you know, fair play. I think he'll go to Turkey and he'll tear it apart. And, you know, he scored some absolute bangers this season for Sporting Lisbon. They won the Portuguese Cup. So, you know, good luck, Nani, I'd say. Great stuff. All right, that's, uh, that's all the transfer talk for now. Let's move on to a few of the questions. Got a few questions in on Twitter. I want to come to the first one. It's still on transfers. But... Um, Dave Horn is asking about Falcao to Chelsea. Finally confirmed this week. Looks like a strange one. Do you think it's a good signing for Chelsea? We've talked about it before, but Kristen, seeing as you might not have mentioned it on the pod, what do you make of Falcao to Chelsea? I think it's an understandable move. I mean, he has strong ties to George Mendes, uh, Mourinho, and so the opportunity for him to salvage a player to maybe jab one in the eye of uh, Louis van Gaal at the same time, it's an opportunity to be taken. I think the concern I have with the move in general is, is that Fernando Torres really struggled at that football club and for me he's in a similar position to Falcao he's diminished physically he's a very good poacher who operates well in the box but outside of that penalty box with his link-up play with his play in tight spaces I'm not sure he has what's required I think one of the things we noted about Diego Costa was the guy's an absolute bully physically um, and I think you know a lot of the pundits Alan Shearer people like that reveled in the fact that he was what we constitute an old-style centre-forward, very physical, very bullying. I don't see those same tendencies in, in Falcao, and that's a concern because I don't see Mourinho attempting to adapt his tactics or his philosophy a great deal to accommodate Falcao. I think he's taken a risk on him. He is only alone, and and I, I can't see... It's not a case if I necessarily can't see Falcao adapting. I don't think he's able to adapt um, to the style on show mm. at Chelsea. Uh, next question is from Kyle Doran. Let's put this to you, Dave. He says, do you think Liverpool will have the quality next season to achieve a top four finish, bearing in mind all the players they've signed and that Raheem Sterling's probably off? What do you reckon? Yes, I'm going to say yes. But the problem is, who falls out? But I think their signings have been absolutely fantastic. Two players that potentially should have come over to the over, over to Manchester instead of moving to, to Liverpool, both Klein and Firmino. I touched on it before. Fantastic players. Firmino with his work rate, his ability to finish ability to create a goal out of nothing and then Klein obviously a very very solid English right back going to be the English um, international right back for the next probably four years and say James Milner fantastic player obviously can play anywhere really turns up in the big games will really fight for the cause can play central midfield can play on the left can play on the right can probably play right back left back you know a very very flat tactical flexible player a Brendan Rodgers style player I think if they potentially buy a centre-half, I definitely guarantee that they would get into the top four. I'm going to put it out there. I just think it'll be one of those years where 
Brendan Rodgers will, you know, he'll he'll only have one game a week. That's why he did so well that season. They came second. They had one game a week. They could plan for that one game a week. They didn't have anything in Europe. Um, you know, they just moved on. They ticked through the season. I think that's what will happen. You know, United, City, Arsenal, and Chelsea all going to be in Europe this season again. Obviously, it's going to be quite a battle there. Spurs again have got Europa League. Have Liverpool got the Europa League as well. Sorry, have I messed this completely up? But what I mean, what I mean to say is that I think Liverpool have got a cleaner run than they did last year, and I think that will help them out in terms of how they're going to progress through the season. Great stuff. Uh, the next question is. Uh... Interesting one from Dark at Dark Dragon Eye, Steve G. He's saying, would you rather win the Champions League or the domestic treble? Uh, that's a tough one. I think, I think, um, what would you go for, guys? Champions League or the domestic treble? God, that's quite Is this if you could only win one in your, say, for example, you yeah, win yeah. one title in your... Spot the Man United fan. Yeah. Throughout your career, you can only win, you can win either the Champions League once or the domestic treble once, you know, that, that was your career. What would you rather win? I think uh, Champions League, maybe. Yeah. You'd go down, in, especially yeah. if putting a good performance. Man, you go down history. You would go down history. Christian, you go for Champions League or treble? Do you want me to be really cynical? Yeah, go on. Yes. Champions League, because you get better marketing and booking opportunities once you oh, return. You cynic. <laughs> no, you Yeah. <laughs> you've, uh, you've got a business eye on it. I like it. I like it. Smart. Champions League winners are never out of work. That's, That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You're right. Heineken, all these, all these sponsors come in. You can just, you know, it's great. Great life they lead. Um, Luca Kolakusic. I hope I didn't butcher your name. I butchered someone else's name last week. Apologies once again. So he's asking, who is the first manager that you think will be sacked in the Premier League next season? That is an interesting one. Luca Kolakusic is asking, who is the first manager who's going to be sacked in the Premier League next season? The favourite is actually Brendan Rodgers, unbelievably. Um, or believably, however, however, depending how you look at it. Um, I probably say one of the promoted managers is going to be the first to go. You know, they're, they're a little bit trigger-happy, these promoted clubs. Eddie Howe's probably safe after last season. Those those heroics were Bournemouth. So I'm looking at the, the Watford manager. Is it Kike Flores? He could be up for the shot. Maybe uh, the Norwich manager, Alex Neal. What do you guys reckon? Brendan Rodgers? Billich. Billich. He's gone. I reckon yeah, Billish is a good shout, actually, because I reckon he's not going to quite live up to uh, expectations at, at West Ham. Uh, Kristen, who are you going for? I think Flores, Kike Sanchez, Flores will be okay. I think you reckon? Yeah, because as well, you've got to remember Watford, at the time of recording, uh, are in talks with Sedu Dumbia as well. They're being really shrewd in this transfer market. Um, and you can just see that sort of thing, though, where they buy those sort of players and uh, it just doesn't quite work out, and the manager's the one who you know, takes the brunt of it, but happy to be proved wrong. Happy to be proved I, th- I think uh, Eddie Howe or Alex Neal really? could be in trouble. Eddie yeah. Howe, surely. Eddie Howe's made some really weird purchases, like Sylvain Distan and Christian Atsu. Atsu, who absolutely Atsu. flopped at Everton as well. don't know what he's seen. I'm happy to be made to what look you, an absolute What, what do you reckon about uh, old Tim Sherwood? Do you reckon he's going to be fine next season? He's, he's up there with one of the favourites to, to get the chop early on. Win 60% of the time every time, mate. mate. They can't argue with that win ratio, can you? Um, next question comes from Eric at the Gigs Boson, who says, does Neymar have the potential to equal or even surpass the level Messi is at now? Any thoughts on that one, Dave? No. Sorry. <laughs> End of discussion. <laughs> Kristen? Uh, <laughs> no, yes, maybe. I can elaborate if you, if you would like. Go on, give us a little elaboration. 
I just think Messi is an absolute phenom, and I don't think we're going to get to a player of that level for a long time. I think he is that good. I think he has evolved so much. I think that Neymar doesn't have his qualities. He's obviously a different player. And I'd say one thing, his body shape's different. Neymar's a taller player. The reason why Lionel Messi is so good is because he's got that short stature and he can jink past you. He's got that acceleration. He's got that ability on the ball. I think Neymar's going to be a very, very, very good player. But I just think that he won't ever be the best player in the world. I think there'll be other players that'll either be younger than him that'll be surpassing him or there's going to be players like Messi and Ronaldo that are ahead of him. I just think he's stuck in a, a bit of a bad generation for him, but... No, I can't see it. Uh, sticking on Barcelona, Harris Pozdovic, or Pozdorovic says, what is the point of a transfer ban if Barcelona get to sign all these players? I mean, Kristen, what are your thoughts on this? Everyone's sort of up in arms about this. The players can't actually play till January, so they're not technically breaking any rules, but it is a little bit dodgy. They're being able to sign these players, perhaps take them out of other clubs' hands. You, you don't hire lawyers to lessen your punishment. You hire lawyers to find ways around your punishment. That is true. That is true. Um, and I think it's a prime example of this. that They found a, a massive uh, loophole in terms of the fact that they can sign players, but they can't register them. Um, and a lot of these you know, people commenting are giving a lot of criticism to the likes of Turan and Alex Vidal. But again, the, the, the criticism has to come to the governing body because they set the rules and... Again, you can't yeah. blame the children for running wild. You have to blame the parents for not managing them properly. And it's it's so bizarre to me that, well, in, in many ways, actually, it's not that once again we're saying FIFA aren't doing their job. And mm. I think, in in truth, that yarn has been spun enough times already for for me to stop right there and say that they need to to do more. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Ruben at Ruben Swifty says, if Ramos does go to Manchester United, do Madrid need to sign another centre back? And if so, who? Dave? Well, you'd think if Ramos went to United, United probably wouldn't want Otamendi, and I'd say Otamendi Mendy definitely to Real Madrid. He was absolutely brilliant last season in the league and would fit perfectly into their side. You know, But it's whatever Rafa wants, isn't it, really? Rafa's been quite... You know, I saw the numbers come out yesterday, I think it was, and Nacho Fernandez, the, the centre-half, was about 24, I think, played a bit for Real Madrid last season, has got number six. <laughs> so is Rafa going to sell Ramos and bring in Nacho? question interesting interesting um andrew gulin has asked a couple of questions in the interest of fairness once again i'll only ask one but um andrew gulin is asking who do you think early predictions will be the epl player of the year next season um christian you got any thoughts on that one it's a bit early isn't it we don't know who's signed for all these different clubs but you know maybe the likes of sanchez harry kane again maybe he's another good season um just, you can just plug any name out of the air, basically, because it's not... Callum Wilson. Hey, man, I like it. Dave, any thoughts? Well, best player of the year was that was it signing of the season, sorry. Next season, who will be the player of the year? In um, 12 months' time, who are we going to be seeing? Memphis Depay. Like Get in the lads. I like stuff. My favourite kind of pie. Oh, oh, oh look who's turned up. <laughs> look who's still at Passport Control. <laughs> there we have it, ladies and gentlemen, live joining the podcast Lawrence McKenna how's it going just make a really loud ticking sound so it sounds like his bag is ticking a great ta- I'm I'm live uh, on the scene guys I want to bring you wow. uh, live pictures from Stansted uh, not Stansted I'm, I'm at Gatwick but I wish I was at Stansted um, live at Gatwick airport where it is literally shit 
Um, there, <laughs> the first thing you do when you come on is just swear. Um, misuse of the word. It's just lines and lines of people. That's all I'm going to say. People just coming in to see the, the transfer of Raheem Sterling from uh, Liverpool to Manchester City. So we were, just for the you know background for the, the good people who are listening, we were going to record Tuesday night, but you were flying out to Amsterdam, right? On a little day trip. Yeah, couldn't do it then. The flight was delayed. We were we thought we'd delay it till tonight, 10 p.m. We'll just about have enough time to get it out before midnight. Technically, we're still releasing our podcast on Wednesday. Did you have a little? Did you have a little trouble? Did you, was your flight delayed there? I was just. I'm so testing. sorry. Easy, EasyJet is ironically named. Let's just put it. That way. Interesting. Um, how how, you, how was Amsterdam though? Did you have a good time? It was lovely. Did you get uh, any so starts, lovely. Business or pleasure? Uh, on a business, t- totally yeah. business. But we all know. Um, I bought you some great e. <laughs> um, so that's business when you pay for it. Again. Interesting. Yeah, I, I was about to <laughs> yeah, throw, exactly. I was about to throw an accusation about how you uh, how you probably smoked all the drugs out there, but you managed to get in there before me. So uh, touche. Yeah, I touché. beat you to the touche. Um, Adam's never sounded more like a sixteen-year-old than just then. I'm sure you smoked all the drugs. All of the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, guys, I've, I've never done this. Uh, this E is great as a pipe. Yeah, what are we talking? So. um you basically just joined at the end of the questions. We're, we're rounding up the okay. question section. So let me ask the next question. I'll put it to you specifically. It's a hard-hitting yeah. question. It's, it's the one that people want to know the answer to. It's yeah. from Red Robert, and he wants to know, who's better, Luke Shaw or Franz Beckenbauer? I mean, you knew the, have, you got any, have you got any thoughts You knew on this that? question would annoy me. No, um, no, I, I didn't think that at all, no. Um, what, what's the real question? <laughs> Someone has submitted that question. What, got, what's we, the we real just, one? We can't ignore the, the questions that people are asking. Yeah, but you can give the answer. Right, all right, all right. I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. Uh, Jack Thomas Berry. It's obviously Luke Shaw. Uh, Jack, yeah. Torrey, Jack Thomas Berryman is saying, who has done the best business in the window so far? Maybe you're going to say <sighs> Liverpool, Ings, Milner, Klein, Firmino. Firmino is, a good, is not Sorry, a bad I shout. I keep saying Firmino, and it's Firmino. Yeah, yeah. And considering your job's football, um, yeah, I'd say true. it's um, you know what I actually met a Southampton fan who said that you know despite all the outgoings, they may be doing good business, mm. um, but mainly because what they do is they get rid of their big guys or get rid of in inverted commas, and they manage to scout people who are of a similar level or an advancing level and accept what their status is. Um, Possibly, is it four transfers that Southampton have made so far in this window? Yeah. They bought, they bought that right back from uh, Sporting Lisbon, Cedric Sorkratine or something like that. He's pretty good. There's a lad from Malaga that's come in, another young player, 22 years old, scored nine goals in the league last season. I think his name's Jumanji or something like that. But they are two, you know, they were cheap. Both of them are like two, <laughs> two three million quid. So, you know, bargains, eh? Did you say his name is like Jumanji? Something like that. I can't, I can't pronounce it. His name is Jumanji or something. It Whatever. Isn't it, his Whatever. name is Ludo or something like that. I don't really know. <laughs> close enough. It was close enough, wasn't it? Yeah. If um, they get that striker buckaroo. What <laughs> <laughs> a season. Yeah. Listen, John but, Terry was fuckery. Right, if we go. Go on. Got to get off the question. That's, that's all we've got time for for questions. We're, we're approaching the hour mark. We're going to try and wrap it up by the hour mark. Uh, Brilliant. Lovely to have you here for the last 10 minutes or so. Um, I'm so sorry. But then, no, it's perfect. It was great. It was, what a surprise yeah. to have you pop in. I loved it. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's all we've got time for the questions. Uh, you know, get, get in more questions for next week. You can tweet us at the front free on Twitter. You can ask the questions on SoundCloud, however you want. But to wrap up the show, last 10 minutes, let's move on to some talking points. Now, I've got an interesting talking point. It's kind of topical. Uh, at the weekend, of course, the uh, Women's World Cup wrapped up. Did anyone watch the final? Any of you three watched the final? 
Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Every single person. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. So obviously, United States won. Five two, five two victory. It's interesting you say that because that's what I'm about to come on to. So um, yeah, I watched the final. I watched all the England games. Pretty entertaining tournament uh, from my point of view. But I just want to talk about a general consensus I've seen in the last week or so. So I don't know how many of you watched the England Japan game last Wednesday, the semi final. Yeah. So England centre back Laura Bassett scored a horrifically unlucky own goal. Nine minutes yeah. of the game, outpouring of sympathy. You know she was crying on the pitch. You know terrible scenes. General feeling of pride in the women's team came out of that, you know, for doing so well, especially after the weekend when they, you know, they finished third in the tournament overall, being Germany who are ranked first. But a couple of people, social media, article in the Telegraph as well um, by a journalist called Claire Cohen, basically arguing that the sympathy for Laura Bassett, that outpouring of uh, of support, was sexist because we wouldn't try because this is what she's saying. I'll, I'll point out that I disagree entirely, but. She's saying uh, we wouldn't treat a male player that way. For for example, if Phil Jones scored no goal in the dying minutes of a World Cup semi final, he'd be slated. She pointed out, you know, you look at Gareth Southgate, who missed a penalty in the semi finals of uh, Euro 96. He got a lot of abuse. David Beckham, who kicked out at Diego Simeone infamously uh, in the 1998 World Cup, um, sort of became a, a real hate figure for, for a couple of years. So, from my point of view, that's it's, it's very oversimplistic to say, you know. It's, it's sexist to not treat men and women the same in this sport because there are so many differences between the men and women's game that it feels ridiculous to compare them. You know, the, there's infrastructure, there's money, the, the amount of money the players earn, for example. You know, women, on the other hand, earn a much smaller amount. Steph Houghton, who's the you know the England centre-back who played alongside Laura Bassett, she earns around 65k a year, which is obviously a large amount of money, but insignificant compared to what the men earn. So there was this general consensus of, you know, supporters and England fans feeling like they can relate more to these players and support them more as opposed to the, the men's players who you, perhaps you feel a bit more alienated from because they're on, God, you know, what's Raheem Sterling going to be on soon? Quarter of a million pounds a week or something? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, do you guys... Oh, that great. What, I mean, what do you guys think of people <laughs> saying, you know, there's, a, there's almost a hypocrisy about supporting the women's team uh, and their performances um, because we wouldn't do that for the men's team, for example? Well, I mean, also... Oh, I, I'm looking forward to hearing Kristen's answer because it's always so much more nuanced. But I think oh, the, yeah. the, like the, the answer from me would be if you want to give sympathy to someone, then give sympathy to them. Like, don't, if you're going to be patronizing of women, then go ahead and do that and you will be vilified on Twitter. But if you're not patronizing them and you're just offering your support as an England fan, then don't club everyone else together and, and say, oh, we shouldn't be defending or we shouldn't be doing this or we shouldn't be doing that. I understand what she's saying, and there are probably some people that are doing that. But at the same time, my sympathy for her didn't come from that space as a supporter. It came from the fact that I probably know what it feels like to fail uh, on the pitch. Oh. And, and you know, that, that, that came out for me. So, I, you know, to, I think the biggest problem is when you have such a mass outpouring, it's very easy to put people together as one body and then say, this is why it happened. Um, no, don't explain my individual basis as a fan. I think I've not read the article, but from what it sounds like, it does sound a little simplistic. Yes. And to say that the own goal is the same as lashing out at someone, I think is different. Um, and I'd also say that if I saw a player crying on, I mean, look at Gaza. Gaza expressed a lot of emotion. Yeah. We express yeah. emotion towards him. Um, so I, I don't know if she's right, but then I don't, I really don't know if that's what she can be saying because it sounds like a poor argument the, the literal words at the end of the argument were you know it was almost like hypocrisy it's saying if we want to treat me, men and women football, sorry sorry adam i'll just stop you i'm just saying goodbye to some people who stopped at the airport because they yeah <laughs> did they recognize nice you from the guys. front three 
Thanks. Yeah, they they knew me from football. Nice to meet you guys. I'll see you guys on Twitter. All right. Okay. Sorry. Okay. You ready? Sorry, Adam. Sorry, Adam. I'm having. It sounds like you're being mobbed by fans or something. With some fans. Sorry. This is not true. This is not true. And they say bloggers don't get girls. There's hope for all of us. Go on. While he's uh, why why are you being mobbed there? Um, basically, I'm not was, a sexist, Adam. What she was saying was men and women. If we want the game to be on a level playing field, we need to treat them the same way in the way we support. I'd argue that if we wanted them to be on on a level playing field, and if we wanted the men and women's game to be on a similar level, you know, we need to support a team. We need to ensure there's more media attention that encourages the sport. We need to make sure there's more investment in the women's game. We need to see teams like Manchester United introduce a women's team. We need to make sure that the you know the infrastructure is there to ensure the future of the women's game, as opposed to just saying, oh, we should slate this one woman player who scored no goal because therefore the game the games are even. I mean, Chris. I'm going to come out. I'm going to come out here and put on my coaching head. I thought that was a. T- I thought her decision to play that ball, what she did, was pretty awful. She sort of had to stick her leg out there, right? If that was Phil Jones or if that was anyone, it was a poor decision at the time. She didn't have anyone on. She she, she went in. She, her body position was all wrong when she was facing the ball. She mishit it and she's put the ball in the back of the net. That's an error. So again, we have got to treat them as men. If, if we, you know, for, for the equal right, you know, for the not being sexist or that something. So you know, we've got to look at it in both ways. I think we've got to analyse them for the improvement of it, for improvement of the game. But you know, we have to treat women as men. Got to treat them fairly. I did, yeah, no, it, it's nothing to do that. with it's nothing to do with that. I'm not equating at all her emotion with her mistake on the pitch. What I'm but, saying is, it's a person who's crying on the pitch. My out, my outpouring doesn't come from the fact that it's a man or a woman. It comes from the fact that someone's crying over a mistake a person, that they made. Man. Exactly. The so my, but my outpouring doesn't come at all from the fact it's a woman or a man. That's part. Uh, like, me, we can me. evaluate. We can say, God, that must feel awful. But at the same time, say. Yeah, your body shape should have been different. There's no problem with doing both. Christine, that's, what I mean, that's what I was coming across. That we need to analyse them like this. If we're going to we're going to go down the line of watching sport in this way, you've got to take the you know you've got to we can't really say oh no it was terrible it happened and it was a poor mis- it was a mistake in a way wasn't it at the end of the day that's what I'm trying to highlight that mistakes get made in football. Kristen? we we have a worrying relationship with salary and sympathy. It seems like the higher your salary, the less sympathy we give you as a consequence when you make a yeah, mistake. Yeah, David Cameron. And I, I just think that that's a, a shame because, for me, it's, it's sad if a player period scores an own goal. And I think we do have to have competing ideas in terms of, yes, we can acknowledge that it was a mistake. We can also feel immense sympathy for someone who spent a long time building towards that moment, have it crumble in front of them on uh, you know, a world stage. I think, equally, we do need to support the women's game more, but... The key word in that sentence is we. We have to go and watch the games. We have to support the infrastructure and, and feed our entertainment dollar or pound, excuse me, into that uh, sport and continue to grow it. Because just yeah. throwing money at it in a kind of you know uh, artificial way isn't going to, to do anything other than actually make it flop even more. I think you have to do it in an organic way. I think you have to be true to the process and give these players more opportunities to show who they are. I think what they've done with this World Cup is they've elevated their own profiles, they've made themselves recognisable to the British public and I think, or sorry, excuse me, the English public more specifically, and made themselves people that we like and people that we admire and people that 
I hope at least, we want to support long after this month, next month, even next year. And I think that's a great thing. And it's sad that we constantly pit our international teams against each other like that and say, well, if it was men, it would be this. Or the men don't play like the women and they don't play with the heart and all. They need separation. They really do. And we have to identify the problems of the respective teams in different ways. I think it's disappointing that we weren't more tough on ourselves in terms of wanting to get to that final. I think we need a mentality like the US have where you expect to win every single time because I think that's what pushed the US through to the final, the belief that they were there to win and nothing else. But I also believe they've made immense strides in this tournament as well. And I think if we can take that first, you know, the mentality aspect into the next tournament, then there's a strong chance we make that final next time around and and hopefully even win it. And then from there, we've seen a, a greater progression hopefully off the back of support through the infrastructure that uh, that I talk about. Interesting. Great stuff. I think we should wrap it up there, guys. We're coming up to an hour, um, the, the hour mark, which I think uh, a couple of people tweeted us was the, the perfect time to, to wrap it up. So um, that was episode 12. We've got Lawrence there. He's sort of breaking up a little bit. Got a few fans. Can you hear me okay? You can, you can hear me. You're on the old 4G, I assume, around the airport. There is a bit of a 4G if you're around the airport, guys. I'm it, so it, sorry. He was trying to get a photo of you there. You, you, there was all I'm, this. There was these I'm, women I'm who kept not, saying um, "stop" and "wait," and I thought they were talking to me. I wasn't. You know, I wasn't sure what was going on. I, uh, I was sat at the airport, um, and the story goes that someone. I was on my laptop. Someone came over and said, um, are, they, you, "Are you? Serious? Are you Lawrence?" And I said, "Yes, yes, I am." And then we uh, we 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 had a little chat, and then we all got on the same plane, which was lovely. So it was lovely to meet. Um, it was Ben. And Did all they recognise you from something? From uh, you remember the show that you used to work on, Adam? Oh, the show that I created. To yes. catch a predator. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that was the one I appeared on. No, uh, yeah. They, no, they, they yeah, no, you, yeah, right. They they noticed you yeah, from Fortnite yeah, Weekly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not from the front three. Just predator then. The predator. Yeah. Um, well, they, said, well, they. I mean, he did. He did say they. They'd submitted. Okay. Oh, sorry. Actually, he has a question. Um, can we finish on the final question, which on, is, um, what's your favourite sandwich? Oh, well, that is a corker. That's probably the best. That is a great question. Lawrence, what, what, that is a corker what's your answer? You've got time to think about it. Uh, I, I said mozzarella um, and other Italian uh, in bits. <laughs> uh, Christine, what's your favourite sandwich? The Earl of Sandwich. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> good answer. Dave? Yeah. Okay, right. So you get the, the, the bottom piece of bread, put a bit yeah. of... Um, Brown some pickle on top, then your cheese, then your lettuce, then this some ham, so then you put some and mustard on the other side of the bread, put it together, oh, it's fantastic. Basically a pickle and cheese sandwich. Pickle, basically pickle and cheese. I think you've got to go with the old, um, you've got to go with the nah. chick, chicken, sweet corn, cheese, lettuce, tomatoes, cucumber, avocado. That's usually bang on, that's bang on for a sandwich. Anyway, enough of this sandwich talk. Listen, Dave, where can the good people find more of your work if they want to, if they want to follow you? On, on YouTube, on Twitter, at Squawker Dave, you know, find me there, and you can, I'm linked everywhere. Fantastic. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on as a super sub for Lawrence, who kind of tried to come back on the pitch at the end there, but, you know, it didn't quite work out. But, Kristen, where can the good people find more of your work? At the minute, Thanks, toilet walls is where I'm. Fantastic. You knocked him out. Not on, not Gone on. out into the public. Not on, not on Twitter at all, no. I've just done 600 words on Damian in the Shepherd's Bush <laughs> toilet. <laughs> oh, I'll head down. oh, I'm sure people will be heading down. Just to the last paragraph was a struggle, I won't lie. 
<laughs> it's it's i think i think it's on the gloryhole.tumblr.co.uk so off you go it's just a space issue my writing was too big <laughs> but if if they didn't want to read you on the toilet wall they could potentially find you in 140 characters or less on twitter yes k-h-e-n-e-a-g-e perfect and Lawrence when you're not in airports uh, where can the good people find you <laughs> when you're when you're not taking selfies at airports you know lost cast l-o-z-c-a-s-t when you're not smoking all of the drugs Lawrence when you're not smoking you're not smoking every drug ever don't do it undercover agent Adam Boltwood okay lost cast l-o-z-c-a-s-t Adam where can they find you you can find me on Twitter at Adam Boltwood and also on the new ish YouTube channel called At The Football Republic. We've actually got a very exciting show going up on Friday with Lawrence presenting, Dave guesting. Yes. I'll be behind the camera, but I'm sort of, you know, I'll, I'll be editing it or whatever. Uh, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So do check it out on Friday on the Football Republic on YouTube. Uh, Until next week, that was episode 12 of The Front Free. See you next week for episode 13.